Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Hey everyone, I'm Randy Frisch. Anna Harak is with me. This is the Connex Show, and I'm really excited about today. Now, those who were kind of skimming across the different podcasts that we've got and picking this one may have said, you know what, I've I've seen someone from CoSchedule on before. That's because we did have uh, Garrett Moon, who is our guest today. We had his co-founder from CoSchedule number of almost a year ago, probably, and he talked a lot about how you plan the content that you put out there, uh, you know, a lot of the principles that come from the business co-schedule that they have to help marketers. But today was kind of cool because it was the culmination of all their best marketing practices to do what they call 10x marketing. And I love this thing. And I, I'm sure you did too, because I, I think too often we get stuck in this mentality that we just have to create content to keep up with the competition but ultimately, maybe that's what's pulling us down. Oh, yeah. This is, honestly, this is one of my favorite topics to talk about in general is just, um, it's a lot of what Garrett talks about in his book. So um, his book is actually the 10x marketing formula. And so even though he's CEO and co-founder of CoSchedule, as you mentioned, uh, this book is amazing. And it actually is available on Amazon for pre-sale right now, but comes out on March 27th. So uh, the day after this airs, it's going to be available everywhere. Um, and he talks a lot about those content traps. And I'm really, really passionate about them. Um, especially, you know, he touches on the traffic trap where a lot of marketers think that just because traffic is coming to their site because of content that it's amazing and it must be performing when in reality it could just be a ton of unqualified traffic um he also even talks about like parallel you know content traps in the book and you know just how it gets away from your content core it honestly to me spoke to everything i love and everything that i preach and everything that we do at convince it's 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 an amazing book. I don't even want to give away the whole episode, but Randy, what did you think? I'm going off on a total tangent now. No, no, no. I, I agree with you. I mean, a, a lot of the stuff you just hit on that, that Garrett went into is kind of like broadening the definition, if you will, of like vanity metrics, which I feel like vanity metrics has become a vanity term, you know, because we don't even know why they're a vanity metric, but, right. but he actually goes in to explain to us what we do want to achieve. How do we how we do want to connect with people. And that the cool part to me of that was giving that that formula, if you will, uh, to steal from his, his headline of how we find that core content. And I, and I think that's the really interesting part, which is how do we pick that content that people are going to resonate with? And we've had other guests on this podcast before, like, you know, Jason Miller, who's talked about, you know, the, the big rock of content, right? But, but I think this is more funny, the sweet spot in general, because it's not just about one piece always. It's about 
what are the things that we're going to do that are going to continue to hit on the problems that we're trying to address for customers? And I think for a lot of us, as we think about the right content experience put in front of people, it really does start with connecting with their day-to-day problems. Yeah, it's there's so much great information in the book and, you know, Garrett goes into it on the podcast as well, but he really starts to talk about the whole reason behind 10X is, you know, the things that will bring you 10X return versus, you know, 10% return and really figuring out where to spend your time and what to spend your time on. And um, from my perspective, this is a book that if you're doing content marketing, it's an incredibly valuable asset. If you're just getting into it and you're trying to figure it out, it's an incredibly valuable asset. If you're trying to get other people at your organization to understand strategy, it's an incredibly valuable asset. It's it's a fantastic just how to. It's great. It's funny. I was a huge fan. <laughs> I, I think Anna's you know maybe got some sort of kickback on this book happening because she's been a. I know. I know you don't. I know you're a fan. <laughs> Anyways, you, you, you listen to this podcast, you'll understand exactly what Anna is talking about. And if you listen to the very end, you'll find out why Anna hates winter. So you got to listen all the way to the end and we'll get there. But for now, let's roll right in with Garrett Moon. Garrett, thank you so much for being here with us today. We are so excited to talk to you about especially your new book, 10X Marketing Formula. Would you mind just giving everybody just a little intro about you? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Anna. Thanks for having me on. And um, it's good to be on with you and Randy. And, you know, I think um, there's so many things as a startup founder that you get labeled as, but um, I'm the CEO and co-founder at CoSchedule. I've uh, headed up our marketing and sales team for... uh, for many years now and, uh, and help kind of build our team. And at CoSchedule, what we are is a marketing tool. We help marketing teams get organized. Uh, we give them a place to schedule their content and social in one place. And then we provide a, a ton of workflow tools. Uh, so task management, uh, communication optimization so that, you know, marketers aren't having to jump between spreadsheets and Slack and email. Um, and then their you know, calendaring tools and, and social scheduling tools. So we really try to take that, that kind of messy marketing workflow make it really simple, put it on a calendar and make it a place where the whole team can execute and uh, do those things together. And um, yeah, that's what we do every day. So we, we have the, the fun privilege of getting to talk to marketers all the time uh, and really hearing, you know, what's going well in the industry, what's kind of going rough, where do they need help? And uh, we've used it to, to improve the product, but also just to really kind of sharpen our thinking in terms of how we approach marketing. How do we solve some of the bigger problems that are out there on a regular basis? And um, that's really where the the book 10x marketing formula came from and really a lot of the work that we do each day so as i was reading through my advanced copy of 10x marketing formula i can absolutely see all of that experience that you just talked about in the book and especially as as someone who actively creates content strategy and content marketing strategies for clients every day it is absolutely 100 clear that everything you've taken and learned um, from your experience with brands has come through in the book it is filled with amazing insights what were some of the reasons that that got you started on this path to writing the book in the first place was it just your experience with those brands and kind of seeing them struggle tell us a little bit about that yeah i think that's a really good question i think um I mean, one, I tell this story, you know, when we launched CoSchedule, we actually, uh, me and my co-founder ran an agency. And so we did web development, marketing, consulting, and some software development as well. You know, so we had a lot of the core 
skills to build marketing software. Um, but the thing that really drove it us to it was the problems. Um, you know, this is back in you know 2012, 2011, uh, so a few years ago. But you know, we were working with clients, and you know, they were they were buying in. They were buying into content marketing. They were buying into social. They understood uh, the value of providing that type of value to their customers. And so we would put together programs f- for them. We would we would help them with it. But they, at the end of the day, like execution was so difficult uh, on on such a, a regular basis. And so that really is where we started to say, like, you know. Know, we need to help people execute, and that's really where we we, we uh, started to develop CoSchedule. Um, you know, and, and when that happened, <laughs> we're just like any other startup, right? We went from this agency to like, okay, we're not going to take clients anymore uh, because we really think we have something here with CoSchedule. We're going to launch this this tool, and uh, we're going to go for it. We're going to go for it as a service company. So we started out with nothing. We had you know maybe a few hundred email subscribers and some social followers here and there uh, and, you know, basic network from our agency, but we need, now needed to reach a worldwide audience. So we then kind of started to really experience this problem of how do you start with nothing and build that audience, build the trust in your brand and start to build that momentum over time. And, um, you know, we're, we're, a tool that's helping people with social and, and uh, content marketing, we need to use those tactics. So like we really dug in and forced ourselves to learn it. And I think, you know, the thing that really became clear in the last couple of years as, um, as I started writing the book was I'd go to conferences, I would uh, send the phone with, um, you know, different marketers and just kind of, uh, kind of sharing tips and seeing what they're doing. And one thing I started to learn is, you know, we've even though we solved a lot of the technical problems, not all of them, but there's, there's plenty more to go. But we started to solve those types of things. The core problem that is starting to exist is that we've bought into content marketing. Still, we, we've bought into social. We're, we're doing it. Many businesses are doing it. Almost every business is doing it to a certain degree. But the results aren't always there. That we're kind of hitting uh, what Gartner's uh, hype five-step hype cycle would call the trough of disillusionment. So it's sort of like now we're all kind of looking back and saying, okay, we've done this. We've been doing it. Uh, where's the numbers? Where are the results? You know. Where's the business value that we were promised? And we've got to figure out how to make sure uh, we, 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 we get that as part of our program or else we're not going to be able to continue doing this. So I just kind of feel like content marketing is kind of at that breaking point. Like we have to figure out how to, how to provide business value every single day um, or it's not going to be able to continue in the same way. Yeah, and I, I love the way you, you frame that. And if people haven't seen Gartner's hype cycle before, it's it's a great framework that, that often shows and, and it's you know, I, I know now you and, and both myself, I live in this a lot because I, I love Gartner's thinking and, and frameworks for things. But sometimes when people hear, hear that word, they think, oh, it's it's as though content marketing is dead. And it's not that, that it's, you know, content marketing is over. It's just we're in this almost reality check stage, right? It's, you know, if you follow the, the different stages, you start at a higher point of, you know, peak of inflated expectations where we expect it to this like, you know, solve cancer, right? Like overnight. And, you know, now we're in this point where it's like, okay, well, you actually have to put a little bit of work in to do it. And what I love about, you know, the the aspects you highlight in the book is some of these ways that we can achieve the success that we thought we were going to get here. But, you know, you kind of admit that it's not as easy as just pumping out content. I mean, one of the terms uh, that you had in here, I think, was something around competition-free content. Is that that the right term? That's exactly right. So I think... You know what I'm kind of trying to look at there is, well, I think if you go back a few years, um, and you really kind of start to see as content marketing really started to take off, there was this sort of effect that if you showed up, 
if you were one of the only ones in your industry to show up and actually create value, value-based content and really to, to embrace that medium, uh, you could make an impact and you could get some attention and traffic pretty easily, right? Just by showing up. Um, but what we've seen over the last few years is everyone showed up, right? Everyone's, everyone's for the most part is there. Your competitors are doing it. Um, you're doing it. And as marketers, I think sometimes we kind of forget that in particularly in the content realm, that our content is now in competition with everybody else's content, right? Our marketing, the material we're creating to market our business is actually competing with other marketing material, which is sort of this strange paradigm. We're used to thinking about our business competing, but now actually like the actual things that we're doing on a day-to-day basis as a marketer are in competition. You're so right, by the way. Like sometimes I curse when I see our comp our competitors do something. I'm like, we should have done that. And it's not even a feature to your point. It's just like a really well executed campaign. Yeah, exactly. This is a great piece of content that, well, we had all that data sitting here. Why didn't we just, you know, package it up or whatever, or ask that question. Um, but, and, and that's where the, the, the concept of competition free content came from. And I, and I kind of go back to, there's a, there's a great business strategy book. A lot of marketers probably have read it as well, but it's called blue ocean strategy. And it really just creates this great visual metaphor that I, I just love where it's talking about competition as in uh, there's two oceans. There's this, the red ocean where it's bloody with competition, right? Everyone's fighting each other. They're all using the same tactics. They're all doing the same things. Um, and it's going to be very difficult for you to succeed and rise to the top in that ocean. Um, and businesses that succeed have to find their blue ocean. They have to find clean, clear, wide open expanse, wide open water where they can grow. And there's a lot of pieces to that as a business. Um, but in, in terms of content, like bringing that over uh, and reframing it as, you know, let's starting to think about how do we not just create create content, not how do we just publish, but how do we create content that is literally competition free? How do we take that principle and find our big wide open expanse where our marketing can really stand out and really, you know, garner those results that we we got into this for? The thing that I love too about how you explore a lot of those competition free, you know, content topics and some of the ways you give to help combat a lot of sort of, you know, the rise in competition is talking about finding your core content. And this is, I'm such a huge fan of this part of the book. I'm not even going to lie. This was, I I was reading it and just throwing my hands up and and praising um, this section Um, because it is, it's something that um, in my career, I've seen a lot of brands really struggle with. And, you know, they, they kind of go down this path of creating parallel content, but not core content. So um, I would love if you could just give everybody listening a preview on core content, because I don't want to give all the good stuff away. Yeah. And I think it's really looking at um, some of the traps, you know, to start with, you have to kind of contract contrast it with some of the things you can fall into. And, um, you know, the two, the two clearest ones are the traffic trap and the promotional trap that I cover. Um, and, and the biggest one, honestly, I think is the traffic trap, because, uh, what it means is that if you have a piece of content that's generating good traffic, it may be getting a lot of shares on social, it may be getting, um, you know, a lot of comments or discussion. Um, it's really easy in many cases to see that as a successful activity. Because there's a lot of numbers that tell you that it's successful. This got more shares than any other post you have ever had. Uh, this got more comments than any post you ever had. Um, this is generating a ton of traffic. Google Analytics says this is great. And the reality is, is that it's sort of this false positive in many ways. And um, in, in really, when you're talking about competition-free content, we kind of end up learning that traffic isn't all that hard to get. Like you can get traffic even in, even in today's age. So you really have to start thinking about what you're saying. And the, and the content core is sort of a way to start framing 
the type of content you're publishing and refocusing it on what really provides business value. And so that's kind of where we get to this point with content marketing. It's like, hey, we're doing it. We're getting the traffic. We're getting attention. Uh, but it's not really bringing our business the value it needs. And I think that's where you, you kind of have to start turning towards uh, content core and really finding a better way to do it. And the content core is really simple. And, um, you know, it kind of follows a pattern I do in the, I do the book where I try to develop really simple frameworks that you can use. And that as you're creating content, as you're doing your, your editorial planning, you can just kind of harken back on them. Um, and the content core just takes two ideas and it's just sort of this really simple diagram of saying, okay, if you overlay two things, the first one is the topic, uh, the topic that your audience cares about, something that they want to read about or are actively looking for. And, and, and match it to content that uh, equals the value or is it equal to the value that your business provides? And you layer those things together, right? So you're, you're matching what your audience cares about to the value you provide as a business. Like those are the two things that you need to meet up and that becomes your content core. Um, and so the difference there is, hey, this, this uh, I mean, I'll kind of go to extreme examples, but like this list post that, uh, you know, um, you know, top 20 uh, predictions for 2018, you know, we had a post like that even on our blog and, you know, those types of, or list posts are really good examples of this. They can get lots of attention, lots of traffic. They're easy to digest, but if they're not in line with your content core, if they're not actually aligned with the value that you're providing as a business, uh, they're going to fall short in terms of generating business results. So, uh, you know, at CoSchedule, a really good example is this. We launched a pro uh, feature called, um, marketing projects. And it was basically a way for teams to uh, manage entire marketing campaigns. So not just a single blog post or social campaign, but all the pieces of the marketing process, you know, the, um, the planning and the, you know, um, guest posts you might be doing, uh, even traditional media and traditional content could all be done in this one marketing project. And so for that content core, the business value that we provided was, well, we help you organize and optimize your, your campaigns, right? We help organize the creation and execution of those campaigns. Um, and the problem obviously is, is that, Hey, it's hard to keep those things organized. So, uh, what do people do? What are the solutions that people start to look for? Are they looking for content, you know, uh, campaign planning worksheets and templates and things like that? And, and once you start kind of going down that line, you start to see the, the connection here that there's people actively looking for this solution. This is actually a solution our products uh, solves. So let's create content that solves that exact same problem. So we didn't, and that doesn't mean we wrote a blog post that said, hey, you have this problem just by co-schedule. It's as simple as that. We actually provided a series of worksheets and downloads and a total of 3,000 word blog post on how to solve that uh, problem, even without our tool. And sure, our tool does it as well, but it allows us to really connect uh, on a value level with uh, the people that are experiencing the same problems that our business solves. I love that way that you've brought your own practices into this book as best practices, Garrett. We, I want to dig a little deeper into how your team figured out what that core content is uh, in your organization, but we're going to do that right after we hear from some of our sponsors here on Connex, the Content Experience Show, right back with Garrett Moon. This episode of The Content Experience is brought to you by Lightboard, a new kind of graphic design team dedicated to B2B marketing. Have you ever struggled with flaky freelancers or expensive agencies? Lightboard's the answer. In fact, at Convince and Convert, we've worked with them for the last couple of years and we love Lightboard. We turn to them to make ebooks, banner ads, logos, and even our holiday card. The reason why it's so good is because they have experienced designers and account managers who take the time to know and actually understand our brand. And they knock it out of the park 
every time. They're quick, they're easy to work with, and they deliver great quality with super reasonable pricing. We highly recommend checking out lightboard.io slash convince for graphic design. Again, that's lightboard.io slash convince. We are back here on Connex, the content experience show with Garrett Moon from CoSchedule. We're talking all about his book, 10X Marketing. And I really, Anna and I both love this idea of core content. And I'm wondering if you can share with us how that content gets chosen within your organization. Because you know, it's one thing to have a framework, I find, but sometimes everyone in the org has different priorities for what content they want, right? I mean, as you know, the content team is always sitting there and they've got product marketing coming to them and they've got demand gen coming to them. You know, this core content is is that kind of the intersect? Is it fair to say that th- that's the content that everyone wants? I think it's a great actually way to look at it. Um, one of the things that we've done is actually started doing having our marketing team doing interviews with current customers. Um, so it's really common, obviously, in any organization for sales, you know, or customer support or success to interface with customers and then just kind of pass details off to marketers. Um, but one of the things that kind of became interesting was when marketers would just start. And, and but one of the ways we did this is actually just inviting our customers onto our podcast and just including some of these questions. Um, but that intersect came by uh, some of the questions we would look at is like what just asking them about. Uh, what, what prompted you to start looking for a solution like CoSchedule, like actually looking for our product? What were the, some of the problems you were looking to solve? Um, and why did you choose us? And just uh, what was the most sick, significant difference between us and um, – or what, what's the most significant difference that CoSchedule is making in your business today? And inside of that conversation, it's not like – they're not like – writing your content core for you, but they're giving you all the hints. Like everything is kind of in those answers because then you're really starting to understand not, not the value that you believe that you provide as a business, but the value that your customers are receiving from your business and they're kind of giving it to you. And boy, like it's gold in there. You start writing down some of those phrases word for word. Um, you know, you've got keywords for life many of the time, uh, much of the time. You, you can also do it uh, through just, you know, looking at doing basic Google searches on certain problems. I love to kind of scroll down to the comment section and just see how people are really saying things versus what the blog post says. Like, how is the audience talking about it? Um, LinkedIn groups can be great for that. You know, what what words are people saying to describe the problems that you're solving? And, and then now you have really basically key phrases that you can create content around. It's actually really interesting. It, it always shocks me when I talk to brands who have not had a conversation with their audiences. And you actually have an entire section of uh, 10X dedicated to it with some really, really great, very, very helpful questions. Um, and agree, even just mining for for data, like on-site search, even people forget to look there where, you know, people are literally putting in their own phrase what they're looking for from you. Um, but do you have a preferred or favorite method of conducting interviews? I mean, obviously, there's everything from video chat to phone call to in person. What's your preferred method? Yeah, you know, we're, we're located in North Dakota. So uh, like a fraction of a percentage of our customer base is in North Dakota. So it's uh, in person is just not very much an option for us. You know, if we were in the Valley or a larger uh, metropolitan area, it might be. Uh, so we've always just relied on video chat. I mean, we always try to have that visual, you know, that video connection if we can. Um, but, you know, I think... I've always kind of felt like it can be very effective uh, that the method isn't as important as just the activity of doing it, right? Like just the activity of doing it any way you can do it, um, no matter how simple it is, if it's just a phone, pick up a phone and you call them, that is, if you're not doing that as a business, like 
anyhow you can get the information is going to make a massive difference. So uh, the method isn't as important as just making sure it happens. So you also, at the beginning of the podcast, had talked about sort of, you know, one of the biggest observations you found was that um, there were a lot of what you had witnessed as sort of downfalls with the execution piece. And you do, as you mentioned, give a ton of resources to execute. What would be sort of, if you could give like a top tip or a top two tips or three tips for people who are trying to execute where you sort of see some of that fall apart a bit from strategy to execution, what would those tips be? You know, I think one is making sure you're picking the right, the right projects to focus on. I think, uh, you know, most teams in terms of process and all those things, you know, have a close enough a good enough process to where they can really uh, be effective. It's just a matter of making sure you're working on the right things. And I think that's like the biggest danger is as I think as marketers, and I think, you know, as there's more software, there's more tools, there's more things to measure. Um, there's a lot of like small things that we, that can kind of kill us. So they, and I, in the book, I kind of talk about it, and that's really where the 10x concept comes from. I talk 10x projects versus 10% time or 10% projects. And so, you know, I, I talk about a whole method for really identifying, like, what are the, the what are the projects and what are the, the things that you can focus on and that you can execute that have the potential, right, to multiply your results by 10 times, like to really make a massive difference on the results that you're getting uh, within your marketing program versus all of the things that you're doing on a day-to-day basis that really fall into that 10% time and, you know, kind of eat up eat up your day, eat up some of that time and prevent you from working on, on bigger projects. And I think as a team, if you can really uh, work to develop, to kind of build that 10 X mentality, like, is this a 10 X opportunity? And just asking yourself that all the time and, and evaluating uh, your editorial calendar, evaluating your daily schedule, your production schedule, all that, um, you know, you can really improve your execution just because you know, that you're focusing on the right things it was kind of this strange thing that happens is once you know you're focusing on the right stuff, all of a sudden uh, you could just, I don't know, you could just magically execute it faster. Like you're just, you, you get a little bit more passion, a little bit more exciting, a little more adrenaline maybe behind it. Um, and things can go very smoothly. Did you find it kind of hard at first to start sort of ignoring the shiny kind of distractions to lead to that 10x mentality? Yes. Because it is a process, right? I mean, it's hard when there's just stuff coming at you all the time and everything. It seems like especially everything nowadays seems like a priority, right? But to your point, I mean, there's difference between 10x and 10%. Yeah, I think there's two There's two things I can go to that. I can think about on that in terms of experience of our team. One was, I remember a long time ago, a few years ago, we really identified video as video is really coming. Uh, it's going to be a big a big difference maker. We should. It's a 10x opportunity for us. And um, we started asking ourselves some questions about that. That though so we just kind of said you know is it and the key one was is this something our team can really do well right like we don't when we look around we're, we're a small startup we have li- very limited resources there's there's fewer than 10 of us on this team so to really create the video content that we felt was going to make the difference on a consistent basis we just didn't have the resources it wasn't something that we could do well and what we could do really well was written content like we had everything we needed to absolutely uh nail written content to uh and to do accomplish all the growth we needed from it. So it was just kind of one of those things where you kind of just have to be honest with yourself. And uh, and, and if you're not asking yourself that question, is this a 10x opportunity and can I do it well? Uh, you, know, you miss that opportunity. Um, another strategy I use in that 
is just kind of outlawing, so to speak, kind of some of the simple stuff. Um, a good one is, and I get, I'll, I'll get some tweets on this, I know, but as I, we, we just said, as a, as a matter of rule, if there's a spelling error or grammar mistake on a blog post, uh, we're not going to fix it. When our audience notifies us in the comments, when they tweet us, uh, when they write into our support line and tells us about that mistake, we're just, we're just not going to do it. We're just going to say thank you and we're going to move on. Um, and I get a lot of flack for that. People say, like, you, you, you're, you're not putting your best foot forward. You know, you're, that's a damage to your brand. But um, the bigger damage to our brand really was just the, the, just the mental idea of saying, like, these things that don't really make a big, big impact, we, we got to put them aside and we've got to focus on other things. And so as a, as a mechanism for our tool, it was far more important. I, I don't really have a problem with fixing grammar mistakes. It's just, um, you know, it can, it can help you lose or it can cause you to lose focus. Well, now that you've got a book out there, I hope you did some proofreading on that book because that thing's going to be out there. People are going to be loving it. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I personally think it's definitely going to be a 10 X project for you. Hopefully a 20 X in terms of what you took on with this. And, uh, you know, people can go and find that book if they're, if they're curious by going to coschedule.com slash 10, uh, the number X book. And uh, you can also go, I believe, to Amazon and pre-order it. Although uh, by the time this podcast comes out, it's going to be your launch week. So, uh, you know, an, an early congratulations to you on this. If if you got a couple more minutes, Gary, we'll keep you around. We always like to get to know our guests a little bit more. Uh, those listening in, you want to get to know Garrett, stick around. All right, Garrett. So we've got you here for just a couple more minutes. And we always like to ensure that our guests get to know the person behind the guy at work uh, or gal at work. I did a little bit of digging on you. And one of the things I found is other than our shared love of content and solving for marketers and, you know, Anna's in on that as well. Uh, and I don't know about Anna on this, but both you and I seem to have a love for winter and skiing. Um, so I, first of all, I, Anna, I don't see that. Like you've often, you know, talked up your trips, you know, with Jay and team to Mexico and things like that, but I've never heard you talk about, you know, snow skiing. No, and you won't. Okay. All right. Fair. So I fully support everybody's right to snow ski though. I, I just not for me. All right. Fair enough. So Garrett, where, where's like your best skiing that you've done in the last two years? Uh, every year, my family, we make a trip out to Big Sky, Montana, which is right outside of Bozeman, uh, Big Sky Resort. And um, I mean, we, we just absolutely would not miss it. It's a guaranteed lock on our calendar. Everyone on the team knows that Garrett's just going to be gone for a week in March. And that's just that's just the way it's going to be. So uh, Big Sky, Montana, putting the plug in for the northern states. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I was last week, actually, I was in Utah uh, skiing at Snowbird, which was, there could have been a little bit more snow, but I, then I always remind myself that it's an actual mountain compared to where I live in Toronto, Ontario, where it, where it is, you know, a hill is a generous definition. Um, so, so what kind of skiing do you do? I mean, are you, you know, we just got, got over the Olympics, uh, you know, for those who have been tuning in and, you know, they probably watched all that downhill or the freestyle. What's, what's your style? Definitely not freestyle. I'm too old for that business, but, uh, I'm more like a super G. I was always my favorite event in the Olympics growing up. I love the speed. I mean, um, you know, those, those nice icy days where you can really move are really fun, but Powder is great too. I mean, I just love to ski. Just being in the mountains, fresh air, that cool, crisp air, uh, can't go wrong. Well, maybe you can't. For me. For Anna, <laughs> this is just like, 
the worst conversation ever. Like, Anna, what is your downtime activity? Or not even downtime, because I think skiing for for sounds like Garrett and myself, it's that thrill. Um, I am such I you know what it's funny, like anything in the sunshine, like give me sunshine all day, every day. I mean, everybody everybody's heard me talk about being from Phoenix on this podcast before. So, you know, me and Snow. It's just unnatural, but I wish I could do it. I mean, Garrett, that sounds like an amazing vacation. Genuinely, I do have one actually final question. What was your like post ski drink at the lodge choice? Wow, this is great. This is going deep. This is a good question. Um, so the group we go with, we have some folks that come uh, from the West Coast. So there's always uh, smoked salmon, which I don't usually partake in. I'm more of the uh, cold beer and pistachios is probably the the go to. Oh. Ah, nice, nice. Something yeah. salty and some beer to go with it. Yeah, you got to go nachos and cheese, but like good quality nacho and cheese, and I'm I'm happy to. Anyways, Garrett, it's it's been awesome getting to know you on the podcast, having you here to hang out, and you know, really encourage again people to check out the 10x book. Uh, some great learnings, great framework to up your game, and how you deliver the content what that experience is that people are getting when they consume it. And on behalf of Anorak at Convince to Convert, I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip. This has been Connex, the content experience show, and you can find all of our other podcasts pretty much everywhere these days, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. We're everywhere. Leave us a review. Let us know what we can do to make this more engaging. Until next time, thanks a ton to Garrett. This has been the Connex Show. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.